Good evening, everybody. We are right here between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. But he's risen. Amen. Okay, we are 2,000 <laughs> years into the future from that event. And he's risen and he's seated on the right hand side of the Father. So this evening as we come to a Q&A, we sit here as word. Word of God says in Ephesians, succeeded with him Hallelujah. in the heavenly places, far above Amen. every ruler, every power, every principality. That's our vantage position. So whatever you're going through today, see from that perspective and life will start making sense. Amen. So before we go to the questions, let's look to the Lord. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we praise you. We thank you, Father, for this week. Thank you for bringing Pastor Vijay safely once again. The ministry had all the young people, all the people who gathered. We just want to thank you, Father. Now this hour, we commit into thy hands. We believe you will speak to us through every forum where Christ is lifted up and where he is magnified. Our duty, our job is to lift Christ, and he is faithful to his promise. He will draw all men, the broken, the weak, the ostracized, the condemned, all of them. You will draw them to yourself, Lord. So we magnify you this evening, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, you, Father. Speak through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, we'll start with question number five because it's been uh, the Passion Week. So question five will be our appropriate question to start with. Everyone is delighted that Jesus has done all of the sorrows, all of the suffering, all of the dying. But how come we neglect the fact that because Christ went through all that, we can live victoriously and have an overcoming life? How can we assume Jesus did 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 all of the suffering so that we can be happy? So how do we not have this attitude? Uh, the question is a little confusing, actually, because the second part of the statement and the last statement seems to contradict each other. But how come we neglect the fact, because Christ went through all that, we can live victoriously, have an overcoming life? That's one thing. How come we assume Jesus did all the suffering so that we can be happy? That seems to contradict each other. But... Let's get to this. Jesus' suffering and our suffering are not the same. Mm. Are not the same. Okay, though there are so many, so many aspects which are common. Aspects which are kind of common. Like the Bible is very clear about Jesus that he never sinned. And much of our suffering is because of sin. Hmm. Ours, our forefathers tracing all the way up to up to Adam. That is our suffering. Then we get saved. We are born again from above. And there has to be what you call a paradigm shift. Hmm. Now if you go with me to the book of Romans and chapter 8. And verse 17. Hmm. We suffer with him. Yeah. And if we are children, hmm. then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, 
if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, this is this condition. Okay? If we are his children, if we are God's children, as many as who received him, they were given the power, the authority to become the children of God. Okay? Positionally, all becomes the children of God. Once we become a child of God, the Father puts us into a race. Mm. Yes. Puts us into a race. The race has got to with what we will be in eternity, what he can commit into our hands in the eternal kingdom of the Father. But for that, there are sufferings. Mm. There are sufferings. Many. I believe large number, when we reach heaven, we will see they opted out of it. Knowingly or unknowingly, they opted out of it. Okay, they opted out of it. Like, like the, the common example we've been looking at the past few, this week is that there were two men who entered into the promised land precisely at the same time, maybe just a few seconds or minutes, one behind the other, Abraham and Lot. All the sufferings Abraham went through was because he chose to be part of God's plan. Mm. Lot opted out. Lot opted out. But at the end of his life, he lost everything. The Bible talks about in Corinthians 3 that many will come through the fire and they would lose everything. It's because they opted out of it. Okay. Now, we know in Romans 8 and verse 29, 8.29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. His whole whole thing, what he's trying to do us to with us is that all who are born again, he's trying to conform us to the image of his son. Okay? Image of his son. Now we come to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. You go from chapter five, uh, sorry, verse one and uh, to five. Okay? Mm-hmm. Therefore having we looked at it this yesterday. Therefore having been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is talking about our past. Our past has been taken care of because we have been justified. Simple layman's language justified means as if we never sinned. Mm. Just as if we never sinned. God blots it away. Not only that, he imputes the righteousness of Mm. God himself in us. So just we are pure in God's sight in Christ. Then When it comes to our today, he wants us to walk by faith where we access the grace of God. How are we called supposed to live? By grace. And how do you access grace? By faith. What is grace? It's the power of God, the power of his Holy Spirit. He says you shall live by grace. And that is how we, for that's only given for today. That's why even in the Lord's Prayer, God is very careful to mention, give us this day our daily bread. Not tomorrow's, not next week's, next month, he says, you will learn to love by faith. That was a lesson the children of Israel first had to learn before they entered into the promised land and would possess all that. He had to learn that you will get manna for every. Learn to depend upon God on a day-to-day basis because he is faithful, he is trustworthy. But they didn't learn that lesson, though they got their provision. So by faith into this grace in which we stand, and then when we have one and two and we are learning to live without condemnation about our past, whatever happens, we come, confess, the blood cleanses. We learn to have peace with God, peace with man, learn to walk more and more and more in grace. We see the hope of our glory increases. 
Yes. It becomes more and more sure. Mm. Like in Philippians, Paul says, not, I am pressing. But by the time Timothy, he says, I know. I know. Yes. I know. Because he has learned now. So mm. to, as, you know, as we grow older, no, some people just age. Their assurance, actually they start panicking as they grow older because they are not very sure sometimes even whether they are really saved. But that should not be the case. The case is that as we grow older and older in the Lord, our assurance should increase because we are learning these fundamentals, how to have peace about our past, how to live by faith, access God's grace. And God will God will actually increase our troubles. Allow, or He will allow the devil to increase our troubles so that we will learn that actually it doesn't matter what you face through, go through. His grace is sufficient. Amen. Amen. Okay, grace is sufficient. It's like that George Muller's and all testimony, how we began and how we ended. He said, I needed all the faith I could summon for one dollar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then he says, by the time I finished, he said, all the faith I summoned for one dollar, so easy now to believe God, to take care of all this thing. Okay, so you, you learn and you're real God. It's the whole thing, we are actually the only, holy, holy, see, when Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible. What is meaning is that what I'm trying to tell you is that you can trust my father. Wow. And you have a major issue with from the time the devil deceived Eve, people have a major issue with trusting. I mean, most people trust a plastic chair more than they trust God because they will put all their weight on it. But that's what faith actually means. To put all your, your weight, weight on, on. That's what I all you cast all your, your burden, all your cares, all your weight on, which is true. No, we trust a plastic chair which can break any time. We trust our buildings which earthquakes bring down. We trust human-made systems and everything is crashed. That's why God is saying, I will shake everything that can be shaken. For whose sake? For our sake. The shaking is not for the people in the world. It is for our sake so that we will know mm. that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. How do we know? We are unshakable. Your faith is standing steadfast in faith, unshakable when these things happen. So this is the three parts of a man's life, believer's life, past, present, and future. Now you come to verse 3. Not only that, mm. we also glory in tribulations. <laughs> it's not even sufferings, in tribulations. Why? Knowing, now you understand the meaning of tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Without tribulation, perseverance doesn't come. Okay. Now, there are three words used in different translations, and both are not the same, almost looks the same. One is the word patience, the other is the word perseverance, and the third is the word endurance. endurance. And you need all these three. You need patience. It is by patience they waited and inherited the promise. Okay. It is he who endures till the end. Endure is basically standing under the weight. Perseverance is walking under that weight. So endurance and perseverance is not the same. You can just endure it, but you're not moving. Okay. Now there's a coolie who's carrying 100 kilos on his head and he's not standing there. It's moving. Yes. Okay. A lot of people are only enduring and they finally collapse under the weight because they haven't learned how to move forward. They move. Okay. If you look at Naomi, mm. she endured 10 years of that disaster, but she collapsed under the, under that weight and she turns out to be an extremely bitter person because she was not moving. She was not moving. God is moving in her future. God is preparing everything for her. 
there is bread back in Bethlehem, but she never persevered. She just endured. She never endured. So we need to understand there is a thing called patience, there is a thing called endurance, and there's a thing called perseverance. And that produces character. That's the character of God. Because God, you look like 6,000 years of man's sin. What sin does to us and what sin does to God is, there is no comparison. He's a holy, pure God, absolutely holy. That His holiness is such, the pure angels shut their eyes and cover their feet. And He's been patient with mankind for 6,000 years. Wow. And He's enduring. And he's persevering. He's not giving up on anybody. He's not giving up. And he's enduring our muck and enduring our rebellion against him. And he's patient with us. And he's persevering. And these three things are fundamental to character. Fundamental to character. God says these three things can be built into you only when suffering is there. Because when there is no suffering, you don't need any. Why do you have need to have patience? Let me ask you this question. You are hungry. You got a thousand rupees in your wallet. Do you have to be patient? No. no. But if you if you come home and you are a, you are a child at home and it's six o'clock, Mama, Mama, I'm hungry. Mama says, Wait, wait. Dinner is at eight o'clock. Wait. You can't fast forward this. I am making. You mm. have to wait. Sit there. Wait. Go do something. Mm. Okay. So you will realize patience. You now, when you have everything going for you, you don't need patience. You don't need perseverance. You don't endure. These pictures are very, very clear. Okay, What happened is, this is the problem of the flesh. The children of Israel, the nation of Israel, when Samuel is old, is a type of the flesh. They are not willing to wait for God's timing. We want a king. We want a king. We want a king. Now we want a king, just like the Gentiles. God is basically saying, wait, I have a plan for you. I have a king who is a man after my own heart. But I am preparing this man. Mm. But they are not. We want a man just like. So they got a man who has head and shoulders above everybody. Okay, that's where the shampoo started with salt. That is what I said. I can't help it. My wife said, you're going to rise and so So there is Saul. He's not a prepared man. It's not a prepared man. And the Bible says over there, one year, NIV will put it across in one year, two years, three years. Okay? Yeah. If you go to 14, First Samuel 14, chapter... 13, 13, I guess. 13. Uh, okay. Chapter 13. Yes, verses 1 to 3. 13, 1 to 3. Okay? First Samuel chapter 13, 1 to 3. Saul was 30 years old. See, this is, these numbers are not simple over there. These numbers are fundamental, okay? 30 years old. Jo- David became king at 30. Joseph became king at 30. Okay. Saul became king at Jesus. 30. Jesus entered into, he was publicly endorsed by the father at the age of 30. So God is putting, okay, 30. I'm giving you 30 years. 30 years of your life to prepare. But don't get, oh, I am crossed 30. I have lost my time. No, no. 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 30 is a, a, a number. Okay, don't run into it because God only knows when you spiritually reach, functionally reach 30. <laughs> Some people have just lived, uh, increased years, they have never grown. King Lear, Shakespeare's, William Bradley's commentary about is that some people just grow old. <laughs> just grow old. King Lear just grew old. Okay, so he's 30 years old. And he reigned over Israel 42 years. Now read words. NIV. NIV. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's also fine. Okay. Chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him Mikmash and in the hill country of Bethel. 1,000 were with Jonathan and Gibeah. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. 
Jonathan attacked the Philistines outpost at Gibeah, and Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, let the Hebrews hear. Okay. Now he ruled for 45, this is happening around three years later. He blew his own trumpet. And before you knew all the Philistines came, next thing you knew, all these relates have disappeared. Why this man is not ready? This man, this is one thing which you need to, which you need to understand when you are, especially all you young people. When you are young, you have to listen to your old pastor because he knows when you are ready. But you can I do this? Can I do this? He says, wait, you are not ready because ministry is battling powers of darkness and they are so subtle that if I send you out before time, they will allow you to prosper and then bring you down because they know you are not ready. That's why the Bible says the devil is so subtle in his ways. Never ever count success as success because the devil is setting you up. He will give you a few victories to catch you off guard. And you will think you have arrived. And you throw all restraint and you get in and he beats you back black and blue. You go depressed, you quit ministry. And so many young people have quit because they were not prepared. There is a preparation. So God will pick people like a Joseph, pick like a David, pick a person, a young person like uh, Elisha, or pick a young person like Saul. And he will give them years to be ready and they have to go through enormous suffering. Mm. Why? Because God wants to put a huge burden upon them. The burden can be carried only by character. It yeah. is the character of Christ. Yes. Okay. So talent will shoot you up to the top, but mm. character is what keeps you there. Look at all the Hollywood, Bollywood music. Why are they such so reprobates? They have talent, incredible talent, but they have no character, so they collapse under the weight of it. So we need to understand what God is trying to do. He's conforming us to the image of his son. And the first 30 years of his life is written in Hebrews 5, 7 and 8. He learned obedience by what he suffered. suffered. By what he suffered. The character was set up. Yeah, 7, uh, 8, 8, eight, was, eight, eight, yeah. was eight. Verse 8. Though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He must have been rushing <laughs> 12 years old, he knew his father's business. Okay? And the father said, wait for another 18 years. And 18 years later, said, go to that man called John and get baptized. And then the father said, this is my son. And then he is approved. Okay? And he set out. So this is what God is talking about. Going back to Romans 5, 3. You know? So perseverance brings character. It is that character that brings hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay? Now, we need to understand what God is talking about. Ultimately, what is happening that you read, you read Apostle Paul, whether in the book of Acts or you see Apostle John when you read uh, him in the Gospels and you look to them towards the end of their lives. What you see them is that they're all very, very mellow when they are old. What has taken over they have been consumed by, by the, the love character. of God. It is love that is reflected in yes, them. Yes. Okay, that's the ultimate character of God. God is light, yes, but it's unapproachable light. Why are we able to approach him? Because not because God is light, but because God it's is love. love. Okay. So that is that is when you realize, you realize, okay? So if you read 
Paul in the beginning of his journey, and by the time you read of Timothy, Saint John Mark is useful for me. <laughs> oh, forget, no, that yeah, Demas, I don't hold against them. Only if a prodigal search for me, but it is okay. My first defense, nobody was there. It is okay, the Lord. What has happened to his that use? You read to read John by the time come to epistles. It is all love. about love and truth and light, but it's consumed about it's all about love. What has happened is that so now they have a hope that does not disappoint because you know we need to realize God is holy, God is righteous, God is truth, God is light. All this doesn't help me. It terrifies me. Hmm. It terrifies me. As far as man is concerned, it terrifies me. Angels will hide his, hide their face. Man will run from God. Okay, it doesn't help me. It doesn't comfort me. What comforts me? God is love. For God so loved the world. Okay, and that's what God is trying to conform us to. And you cannot be a loving person unless you're constantly being tested by hostile people. Wow. That is when your love is. See, like I always use, if your wife is a cherubim and your children are cherubims, you will think you are an archangel. <laughs> and you'll fall. And you will fall. You don't realize. See, everything conflicts in the family, conflicts when the children come, conflicts in the household. All these are to prove to you. Do you have the love of God or is that the love of man? Okay. His brothers wouldn't even speak to him. Bah. And they were so jealous and mad at him. He didn't even know they had murder in their hearts. But when their father said, your brothers are in Shikim, that's the place where all the murders took place and the people are hostile. Would you go and check on them? He said, here I am. Here I am. Now Joseph is being prepared. What is Through it all, what you understand is, only two things are being tested in Joseph's life. One, do you believe the promise I gave you? His faith is being tested. Two, will you end up as a person who loves his brethren, who sold him as a slave, and all those who falsely accused him? Will you end up as a man whose love will not fail? New three, the entire, that's why 13 chapters in the book of Genesis is devoted to Joseph, because he's a picture of the overcomer. And if you look at how does he overcome? That is what we say in Galatians 5, 6. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision. These are all faith outward expressed. things. Mm-hmm. None of these things matter. Only thing that matters is faith working through love. You see that in Jesus. All these greats in the Bible. When I mean, I talk about genuinely great people. There are a lot of people who had faith and then fell away to us. They were not anything this thing. I mean, like Gideons and all. You don't see that kind of character in them towards the end. Even Joshua, even Caleb, they're not, their love factor is, okay, they followed God fully and all, but you can't hold them next to Moses because they didn't go through the test that Moses went through because they had a very obedient, receptive crowd they had to lead, but this man had to lead an extremely hostile crowd. So they were not tested because the forerunner for them Moses is a forerunner. He took the flag. Yeah. So they just had to walk in his shadow. He prepared that mm. ground, trod it for them. So for them, it was easy to mm. walk over Absolutely. it. But everyone who goes first, Joseph 
God sent a man before them. Joseph. So pioneers. he had to make them. Mm. So there are pioneers. Abraham had to make. So it was easy for Isaac. Mm. Isaac did not have to dig and find a well. He just had to remove the dirt from the wells mm. his father mm. dug. Okay. So for them, Abraham has shown, Abraham is a different person because the, he's the one who's to go first. Mm. Okay. Joseph is the one to go first. Moses is to the one to go first. It is jo- David's throne that will be there forever. So David is a pioneer. Absolutely. After that, Elijah in the prophetic school is a pioneer. Okay. It is easy for Elisha. He doesn't have to face any hostility. Kings all bow before him. They are scared of him. It's because Elijah went through Absolutely. and he had trodden the path for him. So you need to realize there is, there is a suffering. Without that, we will not get the character of Christ. It's not possible. And ultimately, you can sum up the character of Christ is that. How does the character of Christ work? It's faith that works through love. And when you look at faith and when you look at love, both have to be tested. Hmm. And the test is, and in uh, John chapter, John chapter 13 and verse 33, Mm. Sorry, sixteen thirty-three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, little, um, he says, "No, yeah. these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble." He says, "Problem. I mean, for whom? Not everybody. Only for those who choose that path, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've shown you a way. This is the way I've finished." And this is the way I am. Peter talks about that way. He talks about that way. This is the way. He, okay. And no. And then he says, his part is that by his stripes we are healed. Okay. And God says, go through that part. So you cannot take suffering off. But remember, there are so many common areas and almost identical experiences. And sometimes when it comes to pain, pain, physical, physical pain, pain yeah. it can be more than his. Because in these 2,000 years, men and women of God have gone through more physical pain than Jesus went through. Jesus had to endure one night of whipping and six hours or nine hours, eight how many hours on the cross. That's all. People have been tormented and tortured for days and weeks and years till the point of death and brought back so the torture would continue. Incarcerated, watchmen for 21 years, homebrand for 14 years. They have gone through that physical more than Jesus. But... That is what Paul is talking about. Let me give you the reference. Okay. Second Corinthians one five and five and six. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Verse 6, but if we are afflicted, it is for your kind. This is talking, Paul is talking about. I mean, he's totally and absolutely contradicting the prosperity gospel. You, you cannot get into the ministry of Christ unless you have counted the price. This is not for everybody. You get into the ministry, you have to share in the, in the sufferings Suffering. of Christ because the servant cannot be greater, greater than, than the master. master. Cannot be greater than the master. You have to go through what he went through. Of course, he is going through it for our sake in the sense of atonement. But we are not Mm. going through for atonement, but we share in the sufferings of Christ. We share in the sufferings of Christ. 
you cannot run away from that. And then you, I'll give you a few verses so that, you know. First, what? First Peter, chapter 4, and verse 13. But rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Okay, now we have to realize, you know, that you are a partaker of Christ. This is a choice. See, there is always two ways. There, there is always two ways. See, this is where you need to understand. Your sufferings can be because of your sins. Okay, and the Bible talks about then being patient and this thing. There's no virtue in it. Okay, virtue in it is. Because when your sufferings are because you put your hand on the plow, and it's because of Christ and because of his work, and you have a way to opt out. And all these people were given the way to opt hmm. out. Recant and you can go free. Bow, bend. Even Daniel's three friends were given it. Bow and bend. You can go free. You, they will lift you up. They will exalt you. They will set you free. But they choose not to. That is where... See, we, everybody likes Hebrews 11 till verse 35. <laughs> After 35, people tune off. And nobody in the prosperity circle will <laughs> preach from verse 35 till 35. Okay? 35. 35. Go to 35 and it divides there. Women receive their dead raised to life. That they will speak. The rest they won't speak. Others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. Meaning they could have accepted deliverance. But they refused. Then they would be compromising. Mm -hmm. The price that they were asked to pay would have been eternal. Temporal, they could walk away with glory. But eternally, they could have lost it. So others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. There was a resurrection offered here. If you give in to us, you can live. Live nicely. We will do everything for you. But if you don't, you will be incarcerated, you will be imprisoned, you will be tortured, all your property will be confiscated, you will be considered the scum of the earth. You can choose. Hmm. And they chose the latter. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had the trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn into two, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was. But heaven's view of them was completely different. God said the world was not worthy for them. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, even today, even today, even now, <laughs> in mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. <laughs> they have nobody to defend. Honestly, you know, I can't tell things that are happening this, this weekend, yesterday, till this morning, till I came down, things which are happening. They have no defense. The system won't defend them. The system itself will oppress them. What has happened? Because Good Friday is not a good Friday for all the people in the world. Wow. It's one of the worst days of torment. When all these things fall together, where other festivals fall together, where it is a Friday and it's a good Friday and Ramadan, all these things taking place. The demonic entities go haywire oh, and demon mm. possess men. They are looking for Christian women and children. They are crucified and 
nailed and tortured and raped, all kinds of things they do. Till today, till this week, it's happening. And the Bible talks about them. Say they were, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, in dens and in caves of the earth. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith. God said, Shabbos, these are my children. I am well pleased with them. Did that, he didn't really rescue them? No. Did not receive the promise. God having provided something, they said, all of you, on that day, oh boy. on that day, the full universe will be there. Everybody from Adam onwards. That is when each one will get their crown. So there is this suffering for Christ Jesus' sake. Where you have an option to opt out. You can opt out. It's a cop out, we say. Mm. You have an option. Okay, no option. When you have no option at all, then it is not the suffering of Christ. Mm. And it can't be the suffering of Christ. Yeah. Suffering of Christ. No. It's, a cho- it's a choice. When you are being persecuted because of your faith, there is always an option out. It's always been there. The option was always there. Joseph could have opted to become like his brothers and the envy and jealousy would become, he would have been part of the gang. Also enjoying and talking evil about their father. He could have opted to go with Mrs. Potiphar. He could have opted each time there's an option. You're being, you're, you're a slave, your master's wife is coming. He knows the consequences. If I say no, she has the power of life and death over me. He has an option. He chooses the other one. Daniel, when he stands over all the others, he's saying he's standing in the line and going and eating the chicken and the mutton and the pork and everything because everybody is given in because they are scared. That whole journey of a thousand miles has broken their will and every conviction is gone into the wind. Wow. And when they see it and they see, realize what happens to the Babylon, they have seen how the eyes were taken out of the king's children. They know you don't buckle the Babylonian empire. And one teenage boy stands there and he looks and he makes a decision. Okay. It is not that he did not have an option because right before him, everybody has opted for that option and he chooses not to. And right before Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, all the Jewish boys have already bowed to the idol. These three boys says, no. All the Jews in the land have stopped praying for 30 days. Daniel goes and prays. It's not that you don't have an option. You have an option. And then you choose to suffer with Christ. When you have no option, it is not the suffering of Christ. It's your suffering. It's your suffering, but you have an option. You have an option. Okay, that's why we ask people, what did you say no to? Go, Pastor Vijay preached long time. We all preached, but he preached, I still remember. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, 20, 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's not the way we want to be. You have these fairy tales. No, when he became 25, he refused to be called the sweeper's daughter, son. We want this rack to riches story. But that's not the usual thing. It is riches to rack story here. He refused. He said, no. Rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Who are the people of God? Slaves. Who are the ones he said no to? The princess. Okay. Verse 26, 26. Okay, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Hmm. By faith he forsook Egypt and he endured, see that word, endured, 
as seeing him who is invisible. Do you know what the writer of Hebrews says? The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13. Okay, verse 11 to 14. Okay, 11 to 14. For the bodies of these animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Mm. Therefore, that's a choice. Hmm. That's a choice. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing history. Do you want to be in the camp with the world, with the in crowd, or do you want to go outside the camp? It's a choice. God says, I leave it to you. He is forcing nobody. Because that is the nature of love. Love chooses. Love chooses. You, this is one thing which we have to understand in relationships. Okay. You can discipline your children to an age. Right. After that, you have to leave them alone. They have to choose. You cannot force your husband or your wife to love you or your children to love you. Love is a choice. You take the choice out of love, love changes. It becomes fear. It becomes torment. That's why the Bible says there is no torment in love. Perfect love casts away all torment. So God, we didn't ask. Did Adam ask? Did Eve ask for forgiveness? Nobody asked. God came looking for Adam because God is love. God sent his son. Nobody asked. God gave the promise to Abraham. God renewed. It is God. God put Abraham to sleep. God went through the fire, made a covenant with himself because God is love. And God is choosing in his love. So we need to realize that's the nature of love. We have to choose. God says, these are the facts. I live it to you. That's why he says, I'm not asking you to keep my commandments. I'm not asking you to keep my commandments. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm not asking anybody to keep my commandment. I kept oh, my father's boy. commandment because I love my father. He told me, go die for my children. I did it because I love my father. Now he says, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. That's what First Corinthians chapter 8, 13 and verse 4 when gives the actual accurate description. 13, 13, yeah, 4. 13, 4, right 13, 4. Okay. 13, 4. 13, 4. Love suffers. The first thing written about love is that love suffers. You know why? Because the true love is suffering because it is not expecting a response. It is never sure you may get the kind of response that you want, but you still want to give. You still want to give. You still keep giving. Okay? Love suffers long and is kind. It is kind. It's still kind. Okay, still kind. And he gives you the whole list. This is what love is. And that's the kind of love God. That is the image of God to which he is conforming us. Okay, that's what Paul is talking about. He must be, I know, the people to whom I am being sent, they hate me. They are my own people. But the love of God constrains me. I cannot but help go. I wish my name was taken away from the book of oh, life and their it. name is written over that. You know? okay. So this is what we need to understand. We need to ask this question. <laughs> Why did God put Moses for 40 years in the desert? Preaching that love suffers long. Preaching. The primary reason God put him for 40 years in the desert with Zipporah and Jethro where he's basically a laborer in his father-in-law's house because he has nothing. He's living off his father-in-law, taking care of his flock is because of the people he has to redeem, bring out of Egypt. See, he grew up in the palace and the people were slaves. 
So he does not know what does a slave have to go through. He doesn't know. He cannot identify with them. He is identifying as a general. He has only fought armies. He knows all the tactics. He says, with the sword, I will bring them out. He says, no. He says, you have to know what is the life of a slave. So 40 years later, he understands what. That is why he has so much patience with them. So God said, I will also come as a man. I will live among you. In this sin fallen so that you will never. So the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, we have a high priest. Who empathizes? Yes. Yeah. We have a high priest. Okay. Chapter 4. No, Hebrews, not Romans. Hebrews 4. Uh, is it 5? No. 30? 4.14. Yeah, 4.14. Yeah. Got it? Yeah. Hebrews 4.14. Seeing that we have a great high priest to pass through. No, no. No, not this one. Next verse. Yeah, 15. Okay. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Okay. I mean, I don't want to get into it because theologians will stamp on you, jump on you and all that. Okay. But the fact of the matter is that. Okay. That's what is different about Jesus from the Father and the Holy Spirit. He has lived our life in the flesh. The Father has lived through the Son. The Spirit has lived through the Son. But the Son has lived it. So when he looks at us and says, I understand what they are going through, he means it. He means it. And the Father and the Holy Spirit knows it because they lived it through the Son. But the Son loved it. And therefore so they listen to the Son. They, they listen, listen to the Son. son. Okay. Yes. So that's why the Father tells to Peter, well, listen to my Son. Okay. We have a high priest who cannot <coughs> sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted. So we have a high priest who sympathize with us. I know what he goes through. I know what he goes through. Okay, he knows. Okay, so we need to understand this is what, and the sufferings is the key. It is what he brings us that we are able to empathize. And empathy and sympathy. <coughs> we are able to sympathize. You know, because there is something, something, like I tell the people, no? When, you, when I go to a house, when I go to a funeral, when I go to a house, I'm able to very easily identify and sympathize and yet also stand there in faith because the first thing I did in ministry, one of the first things I did in ministry was bury my own son and then get up three days later and lead worship. <coughs> so I know what it is, how to, like when I hear, when I read what David did, I can understand what this man is going through because I went through the same thing when he rose up and he went to the house of God. And I look back, oh, I read, I read it okay, years later. But the fact is that I went through the same thing. I lost a child. Then God said, rise up and go lead worship. Pastor said, shall I let somebody else lead? And the Lord said, no, you will lead worship. So you need to realize your experiences are never wasted. Your experiences are never wasted. And God, Jesus went through the whole gamut of human experiences. Then on top of that, when he went on to the cross, the Father put it all upon him. That hours on the cross was not a waste. The entire sin of mankind was put upon him. So he knows he's not a sinner. But the sin, the weight of man's sin was put upon him. So he knows. He knows. That's why you will see him, no? You will you look at him through his ministry, you will see that, no? You will see how he sympathizes with them. 
He's so very gentle. And it didn't matter what kind of a people were brought to him or he went to. It could be a woman who is married five times and now has a living relationship, or a woman caught in adultery, a man because of sin, sickness, and 30 years crippled over there. All these people you will realize that he sympathizes with. He's saying that you are at fault, but you are also not at fault. It's come down the line. I understand. I have come here to redeem you out of it. I have come here to bear the Lord so that you can walk free. All I'm asking you is that, do you believe in me? That's all he is asking. That is where it comes. So it's not a small question. It's a very powerful question. We are going through this situation. And that's where we always have to realize after Good Friday, Saturday is a dark, dark day. It's very quiet. Everything is quiet. Everything is quiet. No, it's not Friday to Sunday. It's three days and three nights. And he told his disciples, you know what? I believe those are the three of the darkest days of humanity because the Father is not moving. The Holy Spirit is not moving. The Son is not on earth. Jesus told his disciples, strap a sword. Strap a sword. You are on your own. Each man on his own. Strap a sword. You will have to fend for yourself until I rise. And then he rises. So between this, sorrow may last for the night. But joy so comes in the morning. So we go through. We have to go through it. But it's a choice. It's a choice. And we'll always ask people, make the choice of faith and not of sight. Don't walk my sight. Make the choice of faith. Put your hand on the plow. Don't, don't turn look, back. Don't look back. And that's what I said. No, he tells, remember Lord's wife, the one who looked back. She's being literally pulled out of disaster. And the husband compromises when he's given a chance to go up to the mountains to start all over. God is literally, when you, you, have, to re, you have to interpret scripture with scripture. Elijah wanted to die. Elijah wanted to die. Okay, Elijah wanted to die. And God did not allow him to die. Because he's a faithful servant. He knows our pressure. Yes, yes. What we go in ministry, he understands. He wanted to quit. He says, no. Eat, rest, eat again, go up to the mountain. And when he comes there, he's very clear. It's a modern medical science would talk a classical case of clinical depression. And God whispers to him. If shouts at him, this man will break. Whispers to him, what are you doing here? And recalibrates his entire ministry and sends him off. Wow. And he's on a new journey altogether. And if you go to Genesis chapter 19, Okay. You have to, if you don't see through the eyes of God, the I love eyes of God, okay? In chapter 19 and verse 17. 17 onward. So it came to pass when he had brought them out, the two angels, he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. He's given a chance. Because mountains are always a place where you have an encounter with God on Mount Carmel, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. Go up. He's giving this man a chance. Go up to the mountains. Okay, you will lose all your earthly wealth. Does not matter. I can start to recalibrate you and start your journey again. I'm giving you a new lease of life. Learn from your uncle. I'm giving you a new lease of life. But what I said, please know my Lord. This is his final chance. 
Indeed, now your servant has favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now the city is near enough to flee to it. It's a little one. Please let me escape. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. He said to him, see, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. Look at the next verse. Then the Lord, Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heaven. So he overthrew the cities, all the plains, all the inhabitants of the city, what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. She became a pillar. You know why she looked back? He hesitated. He compromised. If he had been decisive and saying, honey, let's go up. God is giving us a chance. We'll go up to the mountains. We'll go up to the mountains. We can start all over again. God has given a chance. We'll just thank God he rescued us from the nick of time. Let's go up. And he says, Roma, she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. This is what we are talking about. God is a very merciful God. He's always trying to recalibrate us so that you know, he can restart us in a journey. But we blow up our own chances because we don't see. Because we are, we, we are always looking back into the world we are called to look. And our value system and all our dreams and everything is connected to the world that is under judgment and not into the city whose foundation is of God. That is where we suffer. So whenever you go through all that, you know, that's what Paul said, let no man, for on my body I bear the marks of Christ. He's talking about the marks of Christ. He had an option because secular church history says he was a very rich Rich man. man. His father owned ships and all that. But he made a choice. He lost everything. And everything he went through was for Christ Jesus' sake. And he says, everybody is questioning his apostleship, everything. He says, leave me alone. Hmm. On my body, I bear the marks of Christ. This is for Christ's sake. You know, Christ's sake. You know? So that's how we have to look at All suffering is not of Christ. Pastor, there is another question on relationships because suffering in relationships is also very true. Because this is question number four. It's a two-part question. Hmm. Yeah, yes. Hmm. It says, when there are problems, disputes, or any difference in opinions in any kind of relationships, let it be church, parents, friends, or work-related, I normally step out of the relationship of any kind to avoid unnecessary drama, emotions, if a problem arises. I used to hold on to relations, relations, relations before, but none of them ever went well. Somehow I became antagonist in every everyone's story. For everyone's betterment, I started to step out of relationships and walked away without a word, and it works well for me. Once I step out of a relationship, it is for life. But in doing so, am I sinning against God? Pastor in the Bible, I have not seen a verse which says, if we don't have a relations, relationship, we are sinners. Pastor, I need an insight from the Bible about this, because I don't want to commit an unknown sin if there is one. Okay, first let give me the words that first comes into my mind. I'll give you a verse. One John. Verse 5 to 7. 1 John John, chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. This is a message we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him 
is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Entire our Christian life is connected with two things. Our life with God and life with man. Fellowship with God and fellowship with man. Mm. The whole law and the prophets hang on two commandments. Love God and love man. Mm. Okay. That is what it is all about. Okay. If you go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. <laughs> again we see. Okay. Those who are baptized. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. Second thing is fellowship. Because doctrine is tested in fellowship. What you believe is tested in fellowship. There's good fellowship, there's bad fellowship. But what is being, t- what is fellowship? Fellowship, fellowship, <laughs> I want to put it in simple English, is that a fellow traveling the, the same, same ship. <laughs> that is where your life is going to be tested. Can mm. be tested. You can travel in the same ship and never learn fellowship. Okay? And that's a, that's a picture of it. For over a year, the exact, I forgot the exact time period, over an year, this ark is floating. Noah's ark yes, is floating. Yes, yes. Yeah, over one year, one month or yeah. something, okay? Huh? Totally. One year, nine days. Yeah. Yeah, one year, ten days or something, no? Imagine, you have no fellowship outside. All the fellowship is inside. Nothing outside. Unless maybe a few dolphins jumping around. We don't know. It's not written. Like, yeah. Thing outside, all fellowship is inside. Okay. <laughs> Come to chapter eight of Genesis and verse six. So it came to pass at the end of the forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. He sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the water dried up on the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot and she returned to the ark to him. It's absolutely different renderings. Go back again. Uh-huh. Verse 6. So it came to pass at the end of the 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a Raven. raven. Which went going back and forth, back and forth. He sent out a raven. And verse 8? Read out from himself. Yes. He also sent out from himself a dove. And the dove came back and he took it. One fellow who lived there for one year and ten days, he had no fellowship with Noah. <laughs> okay, no fellowship with Noah. <laughs> there is a dove who lived with Noah. And he came back to Noah. So it can be true. true. Okay. There were two sons who lived in the same house. One son never left the house, but he never had any real fellowship with the father. He never understood the father. Okay, you can he said I kept all the commandments. I never disobeyed him. But he never knew. So the whole idea is and it can be true, a person can be in the church. And sit there for 15 years and never really have fellowship with either God or with the rest of the body of Christ. And fellowship is what? So, see, there's a statement uh, the person who wrote says, uh, go to that statement, to that question. 
question for okay. you. When I step out of a relation, it is for life. No, you cannot. You cannot do that. Not all relationships. You cannot do that. Okay. Meaning when I finish, cut it two pieces. That's it over. I cut you out of my heart, out of my life. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. Some people, yes. Some people, God will say, no more. Keep your distance. But you can do that with every relationship. Okay. In, but in doing so, am I sinning against God? Of course you are sinning against God. How can you, I mean, especially within the body of Christ. You know, how can you do that? You cannot do that. Okay. So we have to realize oh, fellowship is a very, very fundamental issue. Okay. Fundamental issue. And uh, that is what life is all about. <laughs> what is life all about? What is life all about? You go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I will read till verse 46. 42, 46. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, many wonders and signs were down through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as, as anyone, anyone had, had need. need. Question, how would you know that if you were not in fellowship? Bah. Yep. You will not know. If you are not in fellowship, you will not know. You will not know. These are things which you understand because you live in fellowship. One, you have to be right with God. Mm -hmm. Right with God. If you are not right with God, even if you are in church, you will not be able to see, see because yeah. you are only looking inwards. Yes, sir, sir, you are only looking inwards. You are so caught up with your life and your problems and poor me, woe unto me. You are not able to see. I like, I like, I like that. I love the story of Joseph because Joseph for me was a very special young man because he was so young. 37. 37. I'm sorry, not 37. 39. Hmm. Uh, okay, sorry, not 39. Also. Chapter 40. Okay. In prison. 1 to 6. Yes. Chapter 40, 1 to 6. It came to pass after these things, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. He put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the palace where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. It's interesting. You just read, ah, you just read over there. Uh -huh. Who's the captain of the guard? Same, uh, it's Potiphar. And he comes there. Let's see, he still trusts Joseph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows he's an extremely good <laughs> steward. And he knows these are special prisoners. This is the king's butler and the king's baker. You keep eye on them. Keep eye on I don't want any harm because, you know, a lot of things happen in prison. prison. Don't want any harm coming to them because you never know. The pharaoh may change his mind and send them, bring them back. So he's putting them in Joseph's hands. Okay. And he served them. So they were in custody for a while. And the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison had a dream. Both of them. Each man's dream in one night. Each man's dream with his own interpretation. And Joseph came to them in the morning and he looked at them and saw that they were sad. Mm -mm -mm. Sad. He asked them a question. Next Verse one. 7. Next he one. asked them. He looks at them. 
Okay, he looked at the Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody of his Lord's house and said, Why do you look so saddened? Look saddened. You need to realize this is what will change his life. But he's if only caught in poor me, why me? He wouldn't even know. He's, he, he's looking at an ex- expression of a prisoner, and that prison was full of pris- prisoners, meaning he's looking at them, he's put in charge. He's so faithful in his duty. Beyond what is called by the system, he's looking at it as a God-given responsibility. He looks at the expression of each of the prisoners. He looked and said, what happened? He looks sad today. What happened? And that is what is going to change him. Because they have a dream. They have a dream. This is what God is talking about. So the church is in fellowship. And the church is in fellowship. They're able to see able to hear. They are looking at there are so many poor people. They are in rags. Some of them look very hungry and they realize, okay, God has brought us all together as one family. And somebody is saying, I got two houses. There are people in my house who don't have anything to eat. What am I doing with these two houses? He goes, sells his house, brings the money and puts it at the apostles' feet. And that's saying, I got extra land. What am I going to do with all this land? He sells it and puts it at the apostles' feet. What is happening over there? Fellowship is, that is fellowship. Hmm. Fellowship is not talking. Fellowship is life lived together. Live together. Hmm. Life lived together. And you cannot live a life together unless you are able to see. Able to see. When you are able to see, only then you will have to make your choice. Shall I pick up my life and walk away as if I didn't see? Or do I lay down my life? And 1 John 3.16 talks about what we are called to do because of what he did. Mm. For by this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And that's the kingdom life. From the time you wake up in the morning, you have this choice. Do I pick up my life? Pretend I didn't see anything. You know, like an ostrich hiding its face in the sand. It's it says English proverb. I don't know if it's very really true. <laughs> okay, but or do I choose to lay down my life? Okay, and that's that is Second Timothy four six. We talk about four seven, but you cannot have a four Hold seven life, yeah. without four six. Why do you have four seven? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the fight. Now I know what is reserved for me. Words 8, we talk about 7 and 8. But a lot of people, when they die, scoundrels die, and they put, he has finished his race, and this is waiting for him. No, whiplash is waiting for him there. Because he lived for himself. He messed up his family. He was an absolute alcoholic or beat his wife regularly. And then people will put this thing over him. No, no. It's not true. I already have, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure yeah. is, he says, my whole life, this is not what you do. You have pour an offering. Okay, that's, that's the, before the fire of God yes. has come yeah. upon, yeah. Elijah yeah. is asked to do something which is very strange. He asked them to bring yeah. water. Okay, yeah. three times, you know, and they pour water over it. And you need to understand what is being asked to pour is something which is not there. It's been famine, <sighs> drought for three and a half years. There is no water. It's the most precious commodity. Commodity. That's the first test for the poor widow. She's getting ready to die. He looks and says, get me some water. 
You need to know. That's what Jesus said. There are many widows in Israel. If Elijah had asked them for water, they wouldn't have given them. They were hoarding it. They would not have given it. They would have said, well, we don't have. We are not going to share it. I'm kept it for myself. The woman looked at him and he went. And when he went, he said, get me a piece of bread too. That's why Jesus said, you need to look at these people. He says, you look at them. And he says, you know what? They are laying down their, their lives. lives. Okay, they even down their lives. And you need to realize there's something about this. There are things about this widow which we don't understand. You need to realize that is not a reflex action. That has been a life in which she has lived. Because you, you cannot bring this out suddenly at the spur of the moment unless you have lived a life. This is just life showing itself. And God is calling us right from the beginning. Start laying you down. That's why we teach our little children. I say, do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't complain. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And after some time, it becomes natural to them. And when they are gone out to that, you know, automatically, Joseph was serving his father, serving his father, serving, go take care of your brothers. He goes over there and he goes to Potiphar's house, automatically serves Potiphar, goes to the prison, automatically serves the prison, goes to Pharaoh's house, automatically. Because it has been inculcated in him too. The so life is normal. about serving. So wow. it comes automatically. While the other brothers are forever sitting and plotting and they are picking up their lives. So the, that is not, if you, if you go over there, that's what he's talking. I've been poured out. Okay. How Genesis 37 begins is interesting. It's a very, very powerful statement that is made. One and two. Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. This is the history of Jacob. And it skirts all the children. Because the history of Jacob cannot be connected with them. Only connected with one boy who lays down his life. Because Jacob was that kind of a man. He talks about how he worked for Rachel and for Leah and for his family. He said in the drought and in the morning, in the dew, he, he was a man who lay down, literally lived. Okay, He was a grasping guy, but he was grasping for the right thing. And he was a hard man who laid down his life. And that thing can only go into Joseph. Go into Joseph. Okay, Go into Joseph. And that's what this is the history of Joseph. Joseph being 17 years can be connected because what is happening, you know, like Pastor Vijay talked about, I was counseling somebody two days back and I said, I know you're a very hard worker, but I also know you work hard for yourself and not for anybody else. That's not hard work. That is the core of selfishness. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I'm gentle. I don't use this stone only. I'm very gentle. I'm telling you straight up. Open up. I said, I'm telling you. I know. I know you. I watch you. I see you. I watch you. I said, you're a very hard worker. You're excellent in what you do. At the core of it, it's all about yourself. We cannot live for ourselves. We cannot live for ourselves. Even if you do, do your own work and excel, remember, we live as a community. We live, you don't pick up your life. Ultimately, you will lose it. Even if you gain the whole world, you will lose your soul. But if you lose our lives, everywhere this message goes through, the message goes through. So when it comes to relationship, if it is a toxic relationship, okay, it's a toxic relationship, yes, walk away. Keep your mouth shut and walk away. You don't have to go and talk about the toxicity. Toxicity. It's not your job. Just walk away quietly. Okay. Understand how you work it. Because if you, uh, you know, talk about 
you hurt yourself. Yeah. You hurt yourself ultimately. Okay, that's the Bible says about Jesus. He didn't open his mouth. Wow. He didn't open his mouth. He kept shut. Okay, so but otherwise, what you should do that you we have to learn to love. We have to learn to love as community. Because I'm telling you, if you are saved and you refuse to fellowship with anybody and you dislike a lot of people and refuse to fellowship with them in spite of all the chances you get with them, God is trying to bring that love into your life and you refuse to acknowledge his correction. And let us say there are five people in your life or ten people in your life who are part of the church, part of the body of Christ, part of the people you are called to live among and you refuse to live among them, when you reach heaven, these ten will be your neighbors. These ten will be your neighbors for eternity. Because these six people, I'm, you may think I am kidding. I'm not kidding. Go back to Revelation 22. <laughs> Revelation 22 verses 1 to 1 and 2. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. Where are these nations? They are on earth. Mm -hmm. They are on earth. These are the people who did not learn their lessons on earth. Mm -hmm. They did not learn. But they were saved. They refused to learn the fellowship lesson, the lesson of love. So they need healing. God is a healing. When you life, you learn to love. They still need healing. God says, your learning never stops. I would prefer you learn and come there so I can use you. If I cannot use you there, you will still learn here. I mean, yeah. I mean, I want to say, it's very interesting that yeah. it says there is no more curse there, there but no more they need healing. The yeah. There is no more curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is no more curse. There is no more curse. I guess a lot of people, very few people will reach their having reached the perfection which God demands and it's still, okay, because we, I mean, Nobody is going to reach there in the in the perfect image of Jesus Christ. We'll all be growing. We'll all need to eat from that tree to grow and grow and grow and grow. We'll be growing. We'll we'll really learn because what is what is life? Honestly, what is life? It is fellowship. Knowing God is loving. I mean, you t think about it. Okay, think about it. The fellow who goes alone to a restaurant and eats all the time is a glutton. He's in love with this food. <laughs> Hello, it's food. But the fellow who takes his family and enjoys sitting there and talking and all the thing is enjoying both his food and both the fellowship. Amen, amen. That's why we call it fellowship. fellowship. Tomorrow we have fellowship lunch. We call it fellowship. The joy is about eating it as a community. Okay, eating it as a community. Okay. Now, it is, it is, the food becomes tastier. That's what I said. I always love, uh, you always used to love dinner. It's always is to love dinner and post dinner. See, I mean, we like this is actually an apartment. You know, this is not an office. This is an apartment, but now it's an office. So, if this is an apartment, what is this room called? The dining. It's called the living room. Dining living room. Yeah. It's called the living room. Okay, so there are different rooms. Okay, they're all connected to the same building, but this room is called the living you live your life. room. Mm. Living room, and usually the living room and the dining room are attached. 
Yes. Okay, they are attached. Okay, so it's it's a part of the whole. Usually, in life, that's how we grew up, and that's how I was also. Then I became a father. Is that we we pray, we sing, we worship, we pray, and then we eat. Okay, we eat, and then we come back to the living room. We don't immediately, and that's the time spent living. Whatever you wanna do. Choices usually given to the little ones. The little one comes first because the bigger ones will always pick something which the little one can't enjoy. So if you p- allow the little one to pick, little one will pick one which even I can enjoy. And the bigger one will, bigger one will always, no, no, no. little one, what do you want to do? Hide and seek. Can't we play this one? And the little one is not good in that. This one is good in that. Okay, so, so you have to be the judge in that this thing and says today we will play hide and seek. Okay, what is happening? You are living. You are living. Or it is story time. Or whatever it is. Okay, you love. You love together. Okay. And that's, I mean, I get tired out on a Sunday afternoon. But I know after church people come here and then they have to be chased out of that. (laughs) I can go home. (laughs) Okay. But that's the whole thing about, okay. You can have your own groups. That is perfectly fine according to your own. Everybody doesn't work in the same but they have all that. But that's life. That is life. Because if you do not have fellowship, your doctrine is never tested. You will never know your faith. Your faith is never tested. Your love is never tested. Never. And you will never reach where you have to reach. Go to Genesis 37. These <laughs> are all... Overcomers, right? Genesis 37. And uh, words 13. 37, 13. 13. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here yeah, I am. What if he didn't say that? I don't want to go. I don't like them. They don't like me. I don't like them. You have so many servants in the house. Why are you sending me? Why are you sending me? Why are you sending me? Send two servants. They will come and pet. But the problem is the father does not want to send a servant. He wants to send a son. Because there's a difference between a servant's report and a son's report. Moses was faithful among all the servants in the house of God. But Jesus was faithful as a son. The faithfulness of a son is different from the faithfulness of a servant. But ah. the son knows the father's heart. Yep, 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 if yep. a servant, let me tell you, if a son with a, with a servant or a servant serves, it's good. But if a servant had gone, you know where he would go? He will go through Shechem and come back, back yep. and said, your sons are not there. But it is the son who went, who understood the father's heart. So when he searched and he asked, and said, what are you looking for? Your brothers. Oh, they, they have gone to Dothan, another 10 miles. And he walks another 10 miles. Why? Because he's a son and not a servant. So God asks this question. And when God asks a question, we need to be very careful who is answering. The servant is answering or the son is answering. The son, the servant will say, I went. I didn't see anybody. I came back. The son will go. One is the law. The servant knows only the law. What does the law say? Go one mile. Mm. What does grace say? Go the extra mile. So you have to always yeah, ask this yeah. question. Am I under the law? God says, you are a servant. You are a slave. Mm. Am I under grace? He says, you are a son. Mm. 
Okay, so they receive fellowship of the slave. They receive fellowship of the son. Every fellowship is fundamental. That is that is crucial. Okay, you go to Acts chapter two forty two. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. prayers. You take fellowship out. None of the other things have any meaning. What do you need doctrine for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you need doctrine for? Yeah. <laughs> doctrine is how to love, how to learn to yeah, love, yeah. love to live with God, and how to live with one another. Take fellowship out. What is the meaning of That's doctrine? The one thing which holds everything. Yes. Why do you have to break bread? Mm-hmm. What is breaking your bread for? Bread is saying that we are one body, body many Christ, parts. Yep, many yep. parts, one body. What is the breaking of bread for? Mm-hmm. Who are you praying for? What are you praying for? You take fellowship out. That whole chapter collapses. There is no more meaning. In anything. So fellowship is fundamental. You cannot cut away. You cannot walk away. You cannot walk away. Bah. Okay. So we need to oh understand. Oh boy, oh boy, Everywhere oh boy. you cannot isolate yourself. You cannot isolate yourself. You cannot isolate. Isolation. No. You are insulated from the world. But we are not isolated from either from the church or even to the world. He sends us to the world so that we can save them and bring them into the house of God. So understand, it's a very, very important thing, fellowship. Fellowship. Amen. Yes, the next question. Pastor, again, you should uh, look at a uh, question on relationship, Pastor. This is father and mother relationship, okay? This is question number three. (laughs) Pastor, the fifth commandment from God is honor thy father and mother. A youngster who has devoted himself to God, prays and reads his words, but does not help his parents who are in need, nor speaks to them when they are in need of him. When there is faith and no works, will the principle still work, Pastor? <laughs> By doing this, is the youngster fulfilling God's command? Can you please advise? No, it's not fulfilling the commands. You see, honoring your father and mother and obeying your father and mother when you are children are all part of the obedience. To obey your parents you know, when you are young. And as you grow up, ultimately, you have to be released of your father and mother. The father and mother has to release, otherwise you will never grow. Yes. You will never grow. You see, Benjamin is a good boy, but you never hear Benjamin speak an entire word because your father would never let him grow. At some point, we have to release our children. They may be beaten up, they may fall, they may fail. Others may beat them up, others may throw them into the well, others may abuse them, but they will not grow. Overprotective parents have never allowed their children to fulfill God's destiny in their lives. And if the brothers don't sell Joseph, Jacob will smother him. Bah! You are spoiled. It's not that he has to be spoiled. Mm. Benjamin is not a spoiled kid, but he will never fulfill anything. Mm. Never fulfill anything. The father won't let him out of his sight. You have to allow. At some point, your children have to be released. So that they learn to become adults, to make their own whatever whatever you have learned so far. Now you start living your life. Learn to spend your own money. Learn what it is to spend. Learn how to control. Learn. They grow up. Otherwise they won't grow up. But remember there's a place called home from where you came. Okay. And when they grow older, you have to be, you have to take care of them. That's your responsibility. Mm. You have to take care of them. In their old age, you have to take care of them. 
Now, in the East and in the West, our systems are different. In the West, they have good old age homes, uh, which is better because when you have good old age homes, they are all of the same age. Facilities are fantastic. So they all do common things. They enjoy their company and all. On the other hand, there in the West, uh, if you were to stay, you bring your old parent home when you when he can or he or she. What happens? The husband goes to work, the wife goes to the son goes to work, the daughter-in-law goes to work, and they go in the morning. They have work eighteen hours. They had the father, the old man is sitting in the house, sitting in the house, sitting out. It's a terrible life. So we don't say that happens in the West. Usually, what they do is. But even if they are in the old age home, I'm speaking to the people in the U.S., it's your duty to visit them. It's your duty to call them. It is called to have a video call, check on them. So, no, never forget where you came from, who brought you up. That's that's your that's your duty. That's your duty. has to be. In the East, we don't do that. In the East, we don't do that. Okay, it's coming up, but we don't have very good old age care facilities. So, what we do is that one of the kids take the parents home parents home and take care of them take care of them and it should never be seen as a burden mm. never be seen as a burden it's not a burden you have to see it as one as a blessing second as it has to be taken as an honor as a privilege that's a privilege okay and uh, god will commit jacob into joseph's hands Go to Genesis chapter 46, read 1 to 3. Jacob's final journey is on the way. Israel took his journey with all that. It's still, no, now he's going to Israel, he's to Egypt. He does, he loves his son, but he stops at Beersheba, that is his father's place where his father had built his altar, offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. Why does he say that? Because Beersheba is where Isaac built his altar. Bethel is where Jacob built his altar. So that's at, at his father's altar. He offers, it's on the way, he offers. And God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. Verse 4, I will go down with you to Egypt. I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. You will have have 12 sons there. But he says, there's one son into your, whose hands I will put you. He's the son who will take care of you. He will close your eyes. He will close your eyes. So you see, Joseph, in spite of everything that he has to go through, the suffering he has to go through, he's the most blessed because he's blessed because he rises up, he takes care of everybody, and above all, he has the honor, the privilege to take care of his father. And the father blesses his sons, and he's the one who, who, who actually is a father to his father and a father to his brother. So you have to see that as a privilege, as a privilege. So you cannot, you have to call. They may shout at you and all, it doesn't matter. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. It does not matter. Leave it alone. Your job is to call them. Why are you so upset when they shout at you when you're old? Didn't they shout at you when you were young? You should have got used to it by now. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, many parents don't shout, but you have to call them. Once a week at least, you have to call them. You have to call them to see. How are you? 
is there anything that I can do for you? Okay, are you taking care of yourself? Okay, even now, my mom just came back from the hospital. Okay, we have our routine morning and evening before I go and after when I rest. The first thing that I salute her, and she will also raise her hand and salute her. <laughs> then we will shake hands. And when I'm shaking hands, she'll hold my hand and she will still ask me, Did you eat? Bah. I said, No, I'm going to eat. Okay, then before I go to sleep, I'll pray over her. Morning also the same thing. First thing I'll salute. <laughs> she will salute. <laughs> okay. The thing is that, I mean, she's old. She's old. She's calm down. Very calm now. Although we have to take care of her. Because the, because the whole world system is impinging on us where they see the babies, the unborn and the born has burdens and the old has burdens. So you start with A and you start with E. A is for abortion, E is for euthanasia. Kill the old, kill the young. Because they are seeing them all as burden. burden. We don't. We see them as a blessing, we see them as a blessing. So it always matters because the character of a society is reflected by how they deal with the, the weakest. Weak. Yep. The yes. weakest are the unborn babies and the babies. And the special needs babies. You know, in all of the West, you can abort. And by law, Sweden and all aborts, when they do, if it's Down syndrome and all, they abort. How you deal with the weakest of God's creatures is a reflection of the society. Mm. Society. The weakest. The weakest is the baby. And the weakest among babies are the special need babies. Okay, I have a child, an online child, okay, in India from Bhopal, who got saved from a Hindu family, and uh, uh, she listens to all our messages. I've never seen her. And uh, she got married to a believer, and she became pregnant, and then found uh, she has uh, this thing. There is a growth over there. So they said it could be the initial stages or anything. All the doctors told her about the baby, and she refused. She refused and the husband said, I stand with you. We will see. We'll trust God. She's she went to Vellore this week. Day for yesterday was his surgery. The thing has been sent for biopsy. In the meantime, her father, who is a Hindu, alcoholic, got admitted in the hospital. He died yesterday. And today she's on the way to Bhopal, back to folk to going back over there and she's still trusting God, nothing will happen to my baby. And even if something happened to the baby, we will handle it. I had many kids, like I have another one in Assam. She also had, and all the doctors, they did, they said about it. She said, we don't believe it. And the kid is growing up very in Germany, growing up, but he's got club foot. He's got club foot. But, see, our, our mindset has to change. We are a people of life. My God is a God of life. He came to give life, the culture of life. And, you know, in India, we don't have that culture. We don't have that culture. Why were all the children we had in LHL thrown out? Why was Matalika thrown into a dustbin? Because she had a cleft. Because our culture is, is impacted by our religion, which talks about karma. Oh, the look, this child born with a cleft, this thing, black with this polio legs or whatever. You know why? Because in the previous birth was must have been a terrible sinner. So that one deserves it. No, we don't believe it. It's only one birth, only one life. We don't believe in it. So they dump them. They dump them. 
you know, and in there are, do you know there are villages in India where there are no male births recorded? Sorry, no female, female births recorded because subtly, quietly, they abort all the girl fetuses, not fetuses, babies, because they see girls as a burden. We need to understand this has to change because every society's character is determined, is by, determined by how we look at the weakest. And then again, so the oldest. Do you think in the old age homes where we go and all the old age mothers are illiterate? No. Some of them were school teachers and headmistress. They were dumped by their parents, by their kids. By their kids. By their kids. And COVID, the lockdown during COVID, it, it showed a society. You know, children abandoned their parents in the hospitals and, and ran, ran away. away. When they found the parents had COVID, they ran away, left them there and ran away. Okay. While God entered into death, our death for our sake, he entered into death for our sake. This is the redemption of a man. People have to change. There is a man called Aaron. Aaron is a very weak man, a man of a very weak character. Where Moses, he, Moses has to always there in front of him. Otherwise, Aaron doesn't know what to do. And he collapses under the weight of the absence of Aaron, Moses. He makes a golden calf. People all go into it. But there is a redemption of Aaron. That is when the people sinned against God. And the plague of God is coming and the people are falling in love. They are falling in the hundreds, thousands they are falling. And Moses cannot make atonement because the instituted, the high priest has been instituted and he tells Aaron, run, get your censor, make atonement. And the Bible says he stands between the living and the dead. And he literally stands over there and it stops. The death stops. So that's where he's redeemed. Now he's not the Aaron you saw in that chapter 32. It's a different Aaron together. So our character, you can be a weak person, but God can redeem you. And it is determined by the decisions you make about life and about death. You know, who are the weakest? So we have to be very, very careful about these things, how we deal with our parents, how we deal with pregnancies. No, never think, you know. That is what God was trying. I mean, these, are, these are all fundamentally which you have to take it by faith because he said, beware of the uh, living of the Herodians. And immediately they said, oh, we forgot to bring bread. And he looks at them and says, don't you remember when you had five loaves, how much did I feed you? This way, oh, one more pregnancy. What is your issue? Major issue, what is it? Oh, how will I take care of God? Is saying, don't you remember? With five loaves, I fed 5,000 mouths. You think it is, it is unwanted? I can't feed that baby? Can't you trust? Trust. That is where you have to bring faith. I'm not saying you shouldn't plan and all. Okay, there is planning, all that. But I'm saying, by chance, if a wife gets back, don't go, don't ever, ever even mention that word. It's not a word to be mentioned. There are only, like I'll keep saying, I keep repeating that statement for years and years everywhere. There are only illegitimate parents. parents. There are no illegitimate children. Every child is legitimate. Even if it is born of rape, it is legit. The illegitimate father there, the child is legit. Unless we see like that, we cannot make our decisions in the same way. Same way. Okay, I don't like Joyce Meyer's theology. I don't like her preaching. Some things I agree, some things I don't. But one thing I appreciate her about her. 
she was a woman who was abused by her own father, sexually abused by her own father. Okay, that's why God used her to broken women and all. You need to realize background people come from and then prosperity gets in and they go haywire. If they stayed in that narrow path, they would have brought in a lot. Don't look at the crowds. Just look where the crowds you are taking them. What happened is that the Lord told her, just one of the turning points in our life, the Lord told her, bless your father. Wow. <laughs> bless your father. She bought a home for him. She took care of for him. He repented. He wept. He cried. He got saved. They baptized him. They took care of him. Okay. See, these principles don't change. Don't change. No, don't change. And we have to be very, I mean, compared to what her father did to her. Okay, that's the most terrible thing that can happen to a daughter. Okay, what 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 can other children talk about? Okay, my father didn't send to me English medium school, didn't want to send to me. Said, okay, come on. That's <laughs> nonsense. Is your future determined by your father or by God? You're talking to Christians, believers. Determined by God. Fathers can make all kinds of terrible choices, but you determine your future. The fathers can bite on sour grapes. Your teeth, children's teeth are not set on the edge. That's what God tells through Jeremiah. That proverb will not be used in Israel. Each one will either live by his righteousness or die by his own sin. Okay. Jacob bit many sour grapes. Okay. He ended up a mess having two wives and two concubines and his wife dying. But Joseph turned out very well. Very well. If there was one kid who should not have turned out right, it was Joseph. But that's the kid who turned out white. Because he didn't have a mother and his brothers hated him. He should have become a rebel. He didn't become a rebel. Mm. Became the most obedient child. So we have to be very, very careful about how we look at life and how we make our decisions and how we make our decisions. Parents are a blessing. Children are a blessing. And everybody in between are a blessing. blessing. Don't Amen. see it as a burden. Because if you see life as a burden, you know what? You will go down under the weight. But if you see life as a blessing, first for Jacob, my father is a blessing. My brothers don't like me, but I want to bless them. So he went looking for them. Then he ended up as a slave. Okay, I'm a slave. I want to be a blessing. So Potiphar's house was blessed, thrown into a prison. Okay, here, what I, how can I be a blessing? Prison warden put everything on. Then he says, two people over there said, okay, let me see how I can be a blessing. And then Pharaoh picks him and says, okay, you be a blessing to the whole nation. Hallelujah. Ultimately, it's a blessing, a blessing. All nations comes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh directs them. There's a notice board over there. Anybody comes to Pharaoh, go to Joseph. Everybody goes to Joseph. And it's a blessing. But if you look at him, when did he start becoming a blessing? Right in the beginning. 37. This is the history, genealogy of Jacob. Joseph. Joseph. Hmm. It became very early. See, if you don't carry that, God cannot put heavier and heavier and heavier burdens, burdens on, on you. you. But it will be light on your shoulders because you have learned to carry Amen. it. Amen. Hmm. You know, God is a God who always comes through. So he can put it on your shoulders and it doesn't bother you. Okay? It doesn't bother you because that's the way you you grew up. That's the way God has raised you up. That's the way God raised up his own son. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Pastor, you should look at one last question before you can call it a day. Uh, how can I continually have the joy of call having... Question number? This okay. is question number six, yeah. How can I continually have the joy of having God and yet always wanting more? Mm. <laughs> 
your relationship questions now this is a relationship how can god. i continually <laughs> have the joy of having god see want continually having the joy of this thing is what we read in 1 john chapter 1 and verse 5 and 6 and 7 okay fellowship yeah this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all mm. there are two aspects of see joy is connected with a walk mm. okay joy walk okay so it's another metaphor for living okay so living and you know walked with god okay joy is connected with a walk so the first thing god says is walk in the light mm-hmm. god is light so walk in the light don't walk in darkness if you walk in darkness you cannot walk in the light okay so walk in the light mm-hmm. so that is where truth comes in. truth comes in. god is truth and then walk in that truth there is room for error god will as long as you're walking in truth there is room for failure don't try to be a perfectionist then you will find it very difficult because only god is perfect hmm. okay yes. so that but only see that you are on that road so one thing is, is walking joy of the lord is connecting in walking in truth second thing god is love god is not just truth god is love so god says walk in love hmm. yes walk hmm. in love and how do you walk in love he says you love god's children that's the key it's not loving god absolutely whom mm. you cannot see mm. he says you love me but i want you to show it to my brother the least of my brothers i want you to show it to your brother okay so you see by the time the epistles are written john the son of thunder oh. is a very old gentle <laughs> mature person and his episodes are connected with two mm. things walking in truth and walking, walking in love walking in truth and walking truth in and love, love. Mm. when you walk in these two things okay when you walk in these two things what happens is you have continually joy. go back to the question you have continually the joy of having god but the problem is not the problem the other thing you need to realize it's both about truth and love they are unending you can never have hold all the truth mm. that's trying to put the ocean into a glass for god is truth you can never end where is the end of love that is the end of love you can never end there so you can always want more want more oh. but only thing you have to be very very careful because because we we unlike the old generations we are very academic because we came through academia our generation our generation onwards is when education became a big thing my generation or not so much my parents generation my generation onwards education became a big thing where it became almost idolatry idolatry so you need to realize there is truth 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 has an idea and we can fall in love with truth or wisdom as an idea and pursue it like solomon did mm. and forget truth is a person truth is a person but god is true mm. god see solomon was pursuing an idea and not a person his father was pursuing a person and not an idea 
if you look at both of them, seems to be perceiving, but they were not perceiving the same thing. The father was perceiving a person. Bah, 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 bah. Solomon was pursuing an idea. Okay, that's what I always say. When you read the Bible, be very careful. You're looking for a person. Not an idea. But there are wonderful ideas. <laughs> exactly. Incredible ideas. We can get so fascinated because we were all academic. We were in academics. And we are fascinated by theory. It's really when you come from a literature background like me who refused to do a PhD in ELT where career was. Like, you know, PhD and there is either teaching or research. company research. No, research is no money in it. So in, if you go to IFLU, you have linguistics, you have phonetics, you have ELT. That's where all the money is. Literature, it's breaking theory. your head and it's all theory. Okay. And you can get fascinated by theory. In the same way, you can get fascinated <laughs> with the Bible. Because it's a wonderful text, full of truths. God is not truth. God is truth. It's a person. <laughs> God is a person. And we are not past. The problem is when you, not problem. The thing is that when you are fascinated with the person of God, truth as God and God has truth, he sends you out. Bah. Sends you out. Okay, so every morning Jesus is meeting his father. Hallelujah. Then he comes out. Devotion. He comes out. He is devoted to God and then he's living that truth out. Love for God and love for his children. Love for light and walking in the light. He was in the midst of sinners. It's never tempted to sin. Because he walked in the light. He didn't avoid sinners. And his sinners flocked around him. And he loved them. Unconditionally loved them. But never compromised. <laughs> never, never was harsh with them. Each one is said, Do you want to be made whole? Pick up your mat and walk. Went to the temple for that guy's sake. He didn't go into the temple to worship. He's going to meet this guy. Mm. Meets the first thing. Let's me see where he will go. Mm. And I believe his walk is the classic case of walking in the spirit. The spirit tells him he's gone to the temple. So he goes to the temple, meets him, and tells him, don't sin again. Something worse will happen to you and walks away. Ah. Woman caught her. Is there anybody who not condemns you? I also don't condemn you. Don't go sin again. So he's walking in the light and walking in love. And that's where, that's how you walk, continually have the joy of the Lord, and it can want more and more and more and more. Eternity will be like that. We'll all love each other because we, everybody will be transparent. Absolutely. No guile. There is no guile, nothing. So it's very easy. It will keep loving each other more, and the love of the Father will understand better, more. And the, the science is already discovering it. Okay. What God said in Genesis 1 4, let there be light is still happening. If you ask, the universe is still expanding. Light is still moving on. And that is a, just a picture of the life of God. It is still, it's, it's, we will never reach the end of it. Even through the holy. If you can ever reach the end of life, even in eternity, that means God has an end. He doesn't have a beginning or an end. So he just opens it up for his children. And it says, life without limits. The devil comes and tries life to mess limits. us up mm-hmm. and fools us in a life in the flesh and says, live life without the limits. And it is actually very limited. Yeah. At the end of the day, you end up like Solomon. He says, he have no, he tells it so beautifully in the book of Ecclesiastics, right? He says, before that silver cord is yeah. cut. No? Revelation chapter 12. No, no, no. Oh, sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes, 12 yeah. Sorry. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah, verses two onwards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
yeah go words one or not mm-hmm. first it advises the young people don't go my way remember now you are creator in the days of your youth before difficult days come that's when you grow old mm-hmm. the years draw near when you say i have no pleasure in them when sun and light the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble the strong man bowed he's talking about age mm. okay that man is much start shaking his old his fingers are all shaking the strong man is bent down mm. when the grinder sees because they are few <laughs> talking about the teeth as we just and those that look through the window your sight is growing dim and the doors are shut in the street the sound of grinding is low when one rises up at the sound of a bird all the daughters of music are brought low his enjoyment is gone also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way when the almond tree blossoms the grasshopper is a burden the desire for fails for man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets look at what he remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed Or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain. Or the wheel. B- look at how depressed he is, wow. and look at his father. <laughs> look at his father. This guy who had it all. <laughs> Son comes here. My father, my God, has revealed all this in a vision. Take it down. This is how the temple has to build. How did the father end, and how did his boy end? How did his man end? Bobo. Why did he end up like that? Hmm. Why did he end up like that? Because he was. searching for an idea called life and did not see god has life hmm. hmm? lg life is good <laughs> idea can change your life we have all this logins no? thank god it is friday no this is solomon's message this is what he followed he said i will pursue this because this is life i will pursue this this is life i will pursue this this is life his father said i will pursue god he is my life bah This is where we have to be very, very careful because people pursue ideas and spend their life and energy and resources. Everything which is limited, the three T's which are limited, your time, talent, and treasure is limited. They pursue, and then at the end they end up like this. But there are others who pursue God, and God sees that right in the beginning about Jacob. He said, "Jacob, I have loved." Esau is after the world. Jacob is after me. So J- Jacob will end very well because he was always after the Lord, mm-hmm. even before you, unconsciously and consciously, he was after God. Wow, that's true. He was after God. So Jacob finishes well. Huh. Joseph finishes well. David finishes well. No, and that's what God is talking about because the the. what are you pursuing is important and people want to realize it this is where all these things happen with even with elisha the question is never asked to him until he crosses river jordan then questions are asked after he crosses river jordan elijah asks him what do you want he says oh, what do you think i was after you for 13 years i want that spirit that is upon you that is what i am pursuing so it's too difficult i can't answer it, but i'll tell you a clue if you see me being taken you will get it you'll get it all the others had the same revelation your master is being taken today but everybody stood far off on the other side of jordan nobody was willing to cross and god said they cannot receive it depending upon they wanted a gift they wanted to gift a prophecy they wanted this thing they wanted it they did not want the one who gives prophecy they did not want the one who gives the gift of healing they only wanted these gifts he wanted the giver he said i want the spirit and he got the spirit So this is where we have to be very very careful and then what happens 
You can have the joy of the Lord because it's supernatural. It's not natural. If it's natural, then it is not of God. Because how can you rejoice in the midst of all the tribulation and trials? And how can you have peace that passes understanding? You know? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I tell you, where are you, Paul? Oh, by the way, I'm in the dungeon in prison. And you're rejoicing. Yes, so it is not of God. My peace I live with you, not as the world gives. Okay, so that is supernatural. That is, and it is abounding. It keeps on increasing. How can it increase? Because you know what? You can ask Paul. How is your? You go to Ephesians, um, Philippians chapter four. Let's read from verse one onwards. First, he talks about two ladies who are fighting. I think. No? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Therefore, my beloved, long for brethren, my joy and crown. Look at what he's talking about. His people. <laughs> my joy. You are my joy, my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He loves God. He loves his congregation. <laughs> okay. I, I implore you, dear. He's worried. He's sitting in prison. You should be worried about you. He's worried about two sisters fighting in the church. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. I implore you, dear Nepocentric, to be of the same mind in the Lord. <laughs> okay? I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers. Amen. See, he's, he's not so much worried about doctrine now. He says, doctrine is not working in the church. <laughs> fellowship is not taking place. They are doctrinally sound and terrible in fellowship. They are fighting over there. So you please, one who labored with me, would you please go there and see that there is peace in the church? Let them not fight. Okay, and then verse 4. Okay, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. It's written to them contextually at that time mm. and all. He says, you know, why are you all fighting? Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And he said, don't shout and scream at each other. Let your gentles be Lord. Don't you know that the Lord, Lord is, is at hand? He's near and his coming is oh, very so, near. So, 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 so. Look at this man. How is he able to mm. know? How is he able to fellowship in distance? He's still fellowshipping with them. Okay. He always had his people in his heart. His mind was with God, and his heart was with God, and his heart was his people. It's a man with doctrine is life. Wow. This is what God is talking about. And his joy is continuously. He's able to say, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And he says, this is what you need to do. Be anxious for nothing. <laughs> he should be anxious. Be anxious for nothing in everything by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to know the peace of God. be Awesome. No, and so many people after that. No, and you, you, you read Paul's epistles, and you will realize these epistles are written from prison. <laughs> you need to be in prison to write epistles. No disturbance. You are able to focus. And you, know, you read Richard Wombrand's God's Underground, and wow. you realize, oh, I remember how when I read it the first time. I think it was in the year 1988. I read God's Underground. You read Watchman. You read these people and you realize, boy, you need to be in prison. Or you need to imprison yourself. Before you can have a revelation of who God is, to understand the intimacy of God. How can they have that kind of joy in that kind of setting? You know, that kind of revelation of who God is. So you need to realize this is life. This is life. And they are a blessing to subsequent generations. And never discount any of these things. I always, like this one of the illustrations uh, God gave me for tomorrow. It's, you know, uh, when you walk through a tunnel, when you walk through the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel you see a speck of light. But as you go closer and closer, it gets bigger and brighter and brighter. Okay. So you need to realize, 
we who live in the last days actually have the knowledge and the capacity to know God better mm. than anybody who have lived before us. Because it's getting clearer. Prophecy, everything gets clearer and clearer because Bible says in Corinthians 10, 11, if I'm right, all these things were written. All these things happened to them as examples. Yeah. And they were written for our admonition Absolutely. upon whom the, the end, end of it. So the ones who live at the end of ages, scripture will start making sense more than any generation that lived before. You'll be able to get it. If we are, we are privileged. So you always have to see when all these things are happening. Do you live? I wish I was born 200 years ago. No. No. You have to see. We are able to see and understand God and the workings of God through history better than anybody else because we are reaching the end of the tunnel. The light is there. Because we have not only the patriarchs and the Hebraic history of 39 books and... Uh, not 39. 39, right? Yeah, 39 and 27, right? Yeah. The apostles, Jesus, the apostles, but all the, the other church, saints, church fathers, church fathers, everybody down to our own generation, the greats over there. So it is some total is given to us with the technology to access it in microseconds. And God says, you can see better. My spirit is able to show to you much better than any other generation because uh, the other generations, there were limitations mm. because as history is progressing further, we understand better and better and better. So so to whom much is given, much will be required. <laughs> much is required of the life of Christ Jesus. Okay, That's why I always compare this race to a baton race. No, you know, baton when you, uh, we say a baton of last. The fastest in a baton race is the first and the last. They always, because even if the in middle one stumble, the, the last one can make up. Pick up so yeah. they keep the fastest one at the end. The first one in the beginning to give them the start, the last one to give the finish. So you need to realize the apostolic age began with, with, with brimstone and fire. It began. And so, so you have to believe the end, I will not go with the wimper. You have to make this declaration. I will not go with a wimpa. I am not going to give in to all that. I am not going to give in to a wimpa. I am going to go with a blast. Yes. Because I believe your servants. I believe you The former and the latter together. Former and the latter. If you kept me for the last age, I want everything that you kept for the last age. Amen. go with a with a blaze. Mm-hmm. I will not. The church is not going to exit out of earth in a whimper with the tail tucked with her between no her legs. No. Mm. The church will go out here in glory. Mm. And I want to be part of that glorious church, church. Not the whimpering or the carnal or the worldly church. I want to be part of that church. And the church is willing to suffer for our bridegroom's sake. Take every risk, every trial, <laughs> tribulation, she is willing to go through it. <laughs> okay, because she knows for whom and where she is going. That's how we have to look at life mm. and count your cost. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. That's where we looked at suffering. Now, let me give you that one more verse about sufferings. Okay. Romans eight eighteen. 
For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. <laughs> he had a very good perspective. <laughs> the doctrine of pers- suffering. <laughs> Paul's perspective was different. He always, I mean, he was very, very mathematical also. Was, compare. Say, compare logic, everything is no, compared to the glory that is coming, the suffering, is, and he calls it momentary. Light and momentary, light. <laughs> momentary and light affliction. Says very, very, very. And you look at him and says, this is a man. A man who actually used all maths, chemistry, logic, everything, and he valued it very carefully. I'm willing to render. Is all this not worth compared to, this is nothing compared to the glory that is set before us. Okay, That's why I went to somebody I wrote yesterday. In one of the nations, the terrible things are happening. Child, when you are depressed and discouraged, because it's not easy when you are attacked day in and day out, and people are chopped into all these things happen in front of you. Babies, all crazy, demonic stuff happening, and no law, no recuse, nothing. Read Revelation 21 and 22. The most exciting chapters in the Bible, most comforting, encouraging. Exciting chapters, read 21, 22. You know? When we, well, I was a fiction guy, you know, so then the story gets so gripping, you cannot handle it. You go to the back of the hero is alive. <laughs> no, he can go to sleep because you are so scared the hero is going to die. And you look at the last, he is alive. Okay, so you look at this, this is my end. No problem. This is, you have to see yourself personally there. This is my end. Chapter 21, 22. Is my end. This is where I am going to be. This is where I am going to be. It's okay. It doesn't matter. If life deals with me unfairly, rudely, harshly, it doesn't matter. I know my end. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. I know my end. Encourage yourself. David encouraged himself. You have to learn to encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. I know my end. I know where I am going. You know, I know. I know. know. Because otherwise you will depress like Solomon. Discouraged and depressed man. Because he never kept eternity in picture. He just lost sight of it after some Everything under the sun. And looked everything as an idea and forgot the person. He didn't look above the sun. Looked below the sun. Don't look at ideas. It's a person of God. And what God has given to us for our salvation is a person, person. of His Holy Spirit. God give us son. God give he, will be, he will be with you forever. forever. And I'm telling believers, learn to love you the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because he's, he's not going to leave you. You're going to be with Him forever. Ever. Learn to live in the Spirit. You have to learn to live in the Spirit. Because that's the only life. That is eternal life. That's how God lives, through His Spirit. That's how Jesus lived on earth, through His Spirit. He said, you also learn through the Spirit. Amen, Pastor Vijay. We'll close. Yes, Lord. Thank okay. you, Jesus. So, Pastor Vijay had a long <laughs> week, Saturday to Saturday. He's back. Hallelujah. You close in prayer, Pastor Vijay. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you continue to speak. Who are we, O Lord? Your words, O Lord, precious words, pearls given to us. Father, yes, Lord, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but unto us who are being saved. The very power of God is able to give us power to go on and, Lord, finish the course that you have set before us, O Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts, O Lord. Thank you, Father, that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to be present before us, O Lord. 
in the coming ages, O Lord. And therefore, I pray, Lord, that we will keep our eyes fixed upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. To that end, I pray that you would bless us, O Lord. And even as we prepare ourselves to be, Father, found in your house tomorrow, on Resurrection Sunday, O Lord, prepare ourselves for communion. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would speak to us, continue to minister to us, O Lord, through the words that you have spoken and by the Spirit of the living God. Prepare our hearts and our minds, O Lord, that we will have honest minds and hearts, receptive words, minds, O Lord, and hearts to, Lord, to worship you with thanksgiving, Lord, with gratitude, and to have attentive ears to listen to your word and grow in faith and be strengthened in the spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you once again for this time. We bless you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.